What if you were better equipped to be at your best in any situation life throws at you? What if you were able to realize game-changing breakthroughs and achieve your goals fearlessly and without restriction? My mission is to help you level up your mindset to achieve peak performance so you can accomplish the most audacious goals you have in life and in business while embracing the highs and lows of every journey. To do that, I'm gonna to explore topics that challenge how you think and help explain why you show up in the world the way you do. By accepting the challenge, you'll think better, you'll feel better, and you'll be able to perform better every day. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Slover, mindset and peak performance coach, business consultant, thought leader, author, and award-winning educator. And it's a good day to do great things. This is the Quest for Life podcast. If you had to give weight to the role of nature versus nurture with respect to the impact each has on our lives, what would you say? As you think about this, let me specify a couple of things. First, when I say nature, I'm referring to genetics, those things that we inherit from our parents. For example, children of professional athletes may be predisposed to being better athletes than other children whose parents weren't professional athletes. The same holds true for children whose parents possess above average IQ scores, as this predisposes them to being, quote, naturally more gifted cognitively. As for nurture, I'm referring to those things we learn from our environment or our surroundings, such as the home environment, socioeconomic status, the people that come in and out of our lives, etc. Knowing this, let's get back to the original question. If you had to give weight to the role of nature versus nurture with respect to the impact each has on our lives, what would you say? Now, this has been a topic of debate for centuries, with those leaning toward nature pointing to genetic determinism, which emphasizes that genetics is largely or totally responsible for a person's psychological characteristics and behavior, with those leaning toward nurture pointing to tabula rosa, or blank slate, which emphasizes that our minds are akin to an unmarked chalkboard when we're born, and we learn based on experience from what's in our environment. As you might expect, this can be a mind-numbing debate. According to Psychology Today, the consensus is that individual differences among people result from a combination of inherited and non-genetic factors, which suggests that the weighting of nature and nurture is about 50-50. Mind-numbing to be sure. Now, of course, this depends on a multitude of factors that I'm not going to get into here. What I am going to focus on today are a few environmental factors that serve to threaten our efforts to level up our mindset to achieve peak performance. Let's get started. When it comes to environmental threats to our performance, perhaps the most notable in contemporary society are smartphones. According to recent data, the average person in the United States spends three hours and 30 minutes on their smartphone each day, and one in five people spend upwards of four and a half hours on average every day. Keep in mind that that's the average. I spend about two and a half hours per day on my phone, which means someone else has, is spending four and a half hours on their phone to offset that to get to the three and a half hour average in the United States. Interestingly, 46% of people report spending four to five hours on their phone each day, with another 22% claiming they spend three to four hours. That's a considerable amount of time. And surprisingly, weekday averages are higher than weekend averages for smartphone use, with people checking their phones 58 times per day, 52% of which are, occur during work hours. They're checking during work hours. 
from a performance perspective, assuming you aren't monetizing a business through your smartphone use, this is damaging in a variety of ways. I'm going to discuss two. First, the constant distraction from social media or games or watching videos detracts from our ability to focus on activities that add more productive value, such as exercising or reading books that will improve our ability to think or engaging in meaningful conversations with others. How we use our smartphone is less important than why we do it. You see, whenever we get a like or a win in a video game, our brains release dopamine, which makes us feel good and more importantly gives us the drive to want more dopamine. It's part of our brain's incentive reward system. Neuroscientists have studied this extensively. When we get a like on social media or we get a win, we have this little spike in, in dopamine. We get this little squirt of dopamine in our brain. So what I'd like you to do is imagine a seesaw or a teeter-totter on a playground. Once we get that little hit of dopamine, one side goes up and it stays elevated for about 10 to 15 minutes and then it starts to come down. But it doesn't come down to level, it actually overcorrects and it makes our brain believe that there's an absence of dopamine. Now our brain doesn't feel physical pain, but in the absence of dopamine, that's a, a good way to describe it, that our brain is actually in pain. So that's why we end up going back to pursue more likes or we go back to win more video games. We end up going for more, more dopamine. Interestingly, we do get dopamine hits when we engage in activities that add more productive value and the effects are longer lasting, but they're not as immediate. For example, physical activity or vigorous exercise actually increases dopamine release for upwards of three to four hours after the exercise has been finished. Although you have to put yourself through uh, varying degrees of pain in order to realize that benefit. But that's certainly something that adds more productive value. The second one relates to sleep. The blue lights that emanate from smartphones can disrupt our circadian rhythm, which are finely tuned 24 hour cycles that help our bodies reset and carry out essential functions. While all types of light, such as the light from the sun, affect our circadian rhythm, blue light has the biggest impact as it stimulates our brain and makes us feel alert while simultaneously suppressing the release of melatonin, which is a hormone that makes us feel drowsy after the sun sets. Thus, the presence of blue light from our smartphones has a profoundly negative effect on our circadian rhythm and impairs deep restorative sleep we, we all need. Over time, such effects include inhibited performance in all things, especially cognitive tasks, but can contribute to metabolic disorders and other mental health conditions such as depression. And these are just two ways being in the presence of smartphones negatively impacts performance. What's the remedy? Progressively reduce the amount of time you spend on your smartphone, especially in the evenings and at night. And if you can do it, don't have your smartphone in your bedroom at night. You want to be sleeping in as dark of a room as possible without the presence of the blue light. Our, our eyes actually pick up the presence of blue light even when they're closed, which tends to stimulate our brain, tends to continue to suppress melatonin, and it becomes increasingly disruptive related to our sleep. 
Another environmental threat to consider is what's in our refrigerator and pantry. Unhealthy diets contribute to roughly 700,000 deaths in the U.S. each year due to nutrition and obesity-related diseases, such as heart disease, cancer, and type 2 diabetes. In the last 30 years, obesity rates in the U.S. have doubled in adults, tripled in children, and quadrupled in adolescents, with approximately 72% of the population either being obese or overweight. Now, we've all heard these stats before, and we all know the importance nutrition has uh, to living a healthy life in order to avoid chronic disease, and yet waistlines continue to expand. And more and more money is spent on medical care related to these issues caused by poor nutritional habits. When I worked in the commercial health and fitness industry, I traveled around the country and trained trainers on nutrition and weight management related topics. While most trainers are outstanding at developing highly engaging workouts, when it comes to nutrition, they generally only know what they've read in the latest edition of Muscle and Fitness. Now, th this is a little bit of a head fake because magazines and periodicals like Muscle and Fitness, their whole design is to sell stuff. The content between the ads are just an interruption of the ads. They're trying to sell protein bars and protein powders first and foremost. And yet these trainers defer to the quote, information and education that they get from these periodicals. So what I would do, I, I would open the workshops with a question. I would ask a room full of trainers this, if you had to build a room and place all the food you've eaten in your life into that room, how big would that room be? Obviously, this question, it's rhetorical, and it, but it illustrates the point that biologically speaking, we can't survive without food. And I'm not even talking about achieving peak performance just yet. In many ways, though, the, the cards are stacked against us. Governmental food subsidies in, encourage the production of low-cost animal agriculture. The number of fast food restaurants has roughly tripled since 1970. And the advent of high fructose corn syrup has decreased the reliance on sugar, which drives down the cost for both manufacturers and consumers. There are many more reasons that serve as the perfect storm of unwitting consumers. Thus, we have access to highly palatable, relatively low-cost food products that are all the time everywhere, including our refrigerators and pantry. This is a reason why this is an environmental threat to peak performance. And until there's an incentive for making healthier options less expensive and go-to food sources, the problems we're facing will likely only get worse. In the meantime, personal responsibility and accountability must win the day more often than not, all the while knowing that the cards are stacked against us. To achieve peak performance nutritionally, we need to eat in caloric balance. I think this makes sense. If we eat in surplus, we're going to gain weight. If we eat in deficit, we're going to lose weight. If you have a fat loss goal, you'll need to be in an average per day deficit for whatever period of time in order for you to reach your goal. Otherwise, we need to be in caloric balance. We need to regularly consume fruits and vegetables. More and more evidence is pointing to the benefits of plant-based diets, uh, not only for longevity, but specifically for an the anti-inflammation benefits of it. 
we should limit our animal-derived protein sources. So protein sources, anything that has a face, anything that's a byproduct of, of that. So not only the meat that comes from uh, chickens and cows and, uh, and pigs, but the byproducts of that, such as you know, milks and cheeses and, and other forms of dairy. Research continues to point to the inflammatory effects of animal-derived uh, proteins or that are caused from animal-derived uh, protein sources. And we also need to reduce the consumption of refined carbohydrates. These are anything in the grocery stores in boxes and bags. This has long since been established that refined carbohydrates carry with it caloric value, but very little by way of nutritional value. From a performance perspective, being able to limit or reduce any, any one of these and or encourage the increase of fruits and vegetables in many ways is addition by subtraction. And the effects lead to increased energy, better sleep, an improved ability to fight off illness, reducing the warning signs of disease, such as high blood pressure. I mentioned decreasing inflammation. This is the number one marker of premature aging. And it, all of this improves overall mental health. What's the remedy? Take a disciplined approach to what you buy. I happen to be a fan of Tapatio flavored Doritos. It, they're prominent in the Southwest United States. They're really quite spicy. They're, they're quite frankly, they're delicious. And I, I, I often tease that I was addicted to them for a while. For me though, the discipline isn't not eating them when they're in the house. The discipline is not buying them in the first place. That's what I mean by taking a disciplined approach to what you buy. If you know there are these food, quote, landmines that, that get you in trouble nutritionally, try not buying them for a period of time. And what you'll experience is this inverse re relationship between enhancing performance and and you know, limiting poor nutritional habits, which is to say that if we actually re reduce some of the negative uh, choices, we actually inversely in, can enhance our performance. We really create negative to positive feedback loops. And the design here is to create this cascade or this waterfall of positivity related to nutritional habits. So when we have better energy, we want to eat cleaner, want to eat more whole foods, want to stop buying some of those things that serve to derail us from a performance perspective. The final environmental threat I'll discuss is toxic people. We all get that toxic people can shatter our confidence, that they can thwart our efforts toward moving forward productively in life and deplete our psychological and emotional energy until there's just nothing left. Metaphorically, toxic people strap 100 pound weights to our ankles just before pushing us into a deep body of water. From a performance perspective, they drain our mental energy that leads us to the point of exhaustion through their verbal or emotional abuse. An example of this can be heard um, uh, during season two, episode five of the Quest for Life podcast on gaslighting. Additionally, these people sap our creativity. For example, effectively problem solving complex problems, rephrase, effectively solving complex problems requires a high degree of creativity that involves small amounts of tension, stress, and anxiety. Toxic people ratchet each of these up, which kills our ability to think creatively because of cognitive overload and overwhelm. Further, toxic people chew up a significant amount of our energy needed for concentration. 
Most people aren't aware that our ability to concentrate focus and attend fully to the task at hand is a superpower, so to speak. Toxic people inhibit our ability to focus. Still further, toxic people create new negative self-talk and or reinforce existing negative self-talk within us. Having to deal with the constant chatter relating to not being good enough or stupid or ugly or inadequate leads the person on the receiving end feeling, to feeling beat down and defeated. These type of people show up in various forms. What I mean, these toxic people show up in various forms in and throughout our lives. For example, this may be the mother-in-law that constantly picks at her daughter-in-law's cooking or how the house isn't as clean as it should be. This may be the manager who doesn't fully commune expectations and then holds his or her employees accountable to those expectations. This could also be the manager that micromanages to the point where it completely and thoroughly disempowers his or her employees, thus leading the employees to do just enough to keep the manager off their back. This may be the coach berating one of his players during a timeout, saying something like, you're losing the game for us when the team's ahead by 10 points. This could be the husband that only points out his wife's flaws, paying no attention to the many virtues and sacrifices his wife makes on behalf of the family. What's the remedy? In short, it's complicated. The simple thing is to get rid of the toxic people in your life. This is certainly easier in some cases than others. If your manager's toxic and there's no sign that it will change anytime soon, you can always go get another job. If you're dealing with toxic coworkers, you can choose not to consort with them. If, however, the toxic person is a spouse or family member, you probably want to address this issue head on or limit your interactions knowing that those relationships are more permanent than not. And I put permanent in quotes here because certainly if, if we're married, we can get out of that. It's extraordinarily inconvenient and, and difficult depending on, uh, on the involvement of children and financial ties. But if you're dealing with a toxic spouse, that may ultimately be the course of action that's necessary. Other family members, however, make it a, a, little, bit, a little bit tricky because your, your mom or dad will always be your mom or dad. Your brother or sister will always be your, your brother and sister. So that's what I mean by uh, some of these, you may want to limit the interactions within these relationships because these are, quote, more permanent than not. From a peak performance perspective, shift the percentage in, in your favor by surrounding yourself with people that lift you up that challenge and encourage you to be your best. This may require you to expand your personal and professional network because you, what you want to do is surround yourself with people that will actively and intentionally help you level up your mindset while simultaneously not tearing you down to feel better about themselves. Doing so will absolutely provide you a measure of protection against the threats. As we put a bow on today's episode of the Quest for Life podcast, give some thought to other threats in your environment that if you were able to minimize or eliminate would enhance your performance. Once the threat is minimized, give some thought to how you can enhance your environment so you can create daily wins and then go do those things. So the first course of action is giving thought to those things you can minimize or eliminate which would be inversely related to enhancing your performance. And then the next step is 
giving some thought to how you can enhance your environment to create more daily wins. These are just a few examples of leveling up your mindset. And as usual, it's all food for thought, fellow questers. You can contact the show at thequestforlife.com. That's the quest number four, life.com. When you do, be sure to download the show notes of today's episode. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions or suggestions about how to make the show better. Thank you for joining the conversation.